is WCG Patient Radio. I'm Steve Smith from Patient Advocacy at WCG, a company that provides ethical treatment of the people in clinical trials um, who are the brave volunteers that help further medical research for the development of cures. We provide for the ethical treatment of those people and safety and speed so that we can do this very safely, but the treatments come as fast as possible. We're speaking today with Carmen Trupek, who is a certified genetic counselor with Informed DNA, a company that has a lot of genetic counselors that meet regularly with people who have recently been diagnosed with a disease or, or are in search of the diagnosis and shorten that diagnostic odyssey. Hello, Carmen. Hi, Steve. How are you today? I'm good. Well, welcome, Carmen. Informed Thanks. DNA does wonderful work. Um, the struggle uh, that people who have disease have before they get diagnosed, um, it can be horrible, not only because it can be frightening, but because diseases cause irreparable damage progressively. So I know the race is on to get people uh, into diagnosis. And uh, tell us a little bit about the role of uh, a genetic counselor uh, that often um, is introduced to a patient after they get diagnosis. Sure. So genetic counselors frequently meet with patients and families who are undergoing um, kind of a search for a diagnosis through that diagnostic process at a couple of different time points. Frequently, a genetic counselor will meet with a family while they're still searching for a diagnosis, taking a detailed medical history, family history, and really working side by side um, with a physician or a group of physicians that's trying to help to determine what the diagnosis is. Uh, genetic counselors will talk to the patient about the most appropriate type of genetic testing and help to facilitate genetic testing. And then the other critical time point that genetic counselors frequently meet with patients and families is after that genetic test result comes back. So really sitting down and interpreting the results of genetic testing, which can sometimes be quite complex, and ensuring that the patient and the family really understand those test results, understand what they mean for their own medical management, their own choices to make in their, me in their medical care, and um, what the implications are to others in their family. Yes, and so that's, um, you mentioned um, the implications, and we have another podcast which is already out there on the channels uh, at WCG Patient Radio, and you've listened to it as well. It's an interview with Kristen Smedley, who's the mother of two sons with retinal blindness, and she also referred to genetic counseling, and uh, for example, she the example she gave was school services might be denied in some places if they can't show that they've had a genetic um, diagnosis that the child actually has retinal blindness or some form of blindness where they need the adaptations that can happen in school. So children without the services are, going, are progressively growing up and school is marching on without them and they can't see because they're blind and now they're not getting the services. So not only are we racing against a progressive disease in some cases. In this case, we're racing, racing against services. Uh, I'd be interested what else you can tell us about the importance of genetic counseling and what you thought of, um, what you can tell us about Kristen Smedley's description of retinal blindness, because you yourself, Carmen, 
I know are an expert in retinal blindness, that you have 18 years experience in that field as well. So um, that's a lot of questions. I wonder if you can start putting <laughs> that together for us. That's great. Yeah, I can start working on that. Um, that's true. Uh, most of my career as a clinical genetic counselor has been really focused on the genetics of inherited retinal disease, which is actually a, a large, large group of conditions. Uh, there are currently over 250 genes known to cause inherited retinal diseases. Uh, so her sons, that's right, her sons have uh, a condition that affected them from infancy, and it's due to mutations in a gene called CRB1. So the patient foundation that she founded uh, cleverly is called uh, Curing Retinal Blindness, CRB, which is the same as the gene. But that's just one gene of a total of, you know, over 250 that can cause this group of diseases. You know, I did think it was really interesting that she pointed out that the genetic diagnosis is often really important for these patients and families in obtaining services, as you said, and that that really gets to the importance of genetic testing in diagnosis. So when a child has um, some kind of vision loss, there are so many reasons why that can occur. And you know, 10 years ago, genetic testing was something that we would only do after a diagnosis was really certain. And that paradigm has shifted so that now genetic testing is so good in many instances, and, and it's so fast, that we can actually use it to reduce the time to diagnosis. And so that's one of the benefits of reducing the time to diagnosis is ensuring that really children and adult patients are getting the services they need. But of course, getting an accurate diagnosis also means that you're able to provide patients with much more accurate prognosis of what to expect, what's this timeline gonna look like? In inherited retinal diseases in particular, these are, for the most part, these are slowly degenerative diseases. But, you know, what's that definition of slow? Uh, it's almost never overnight, but in some forms of inherited retinal disease, someone, it can take them 40 years to lose most of their vision, and other people it will take three years. So really getting an accurate diagnosis is incredibly important to helping level set expectations for the patient and family and helping to ensure the right services. Um, you know, beyond that, that also provides certainty and in inheritance and risks to others in the family. I've had many, many adult patients who've told me that they either chose not to have children or they had children but then worried and worried and worried almost every day of their children's lives that they were gonna get the same disease because they didn't know how it was inherited. And having that information to know for sure what is the risk to my children, is there a risk to my children, is incredibly powerful for those families. So this has a lot to do with uh, the genetic testing and counseling with getting people to do the right thing and avoiding, um, having them avoid really doing the wrong thing or neglecting something they could be helping themselves with. Yeah, and you know, I mean, I, I don't know about what's the right thing or the wrong thing, right? But it's ensuring that they have the kind of information to feel empowered to make decisions themselves. That's really it. Um, 
ensuring that we meet people at their point of need and that we arm them with the kind of information that they feel they need to make decisions about themselves and make decisions for their families. And are there clinical trials uh, to try to come up with treatments that um, would we keep a person from having blindness? Yeah, so right now there, there's a huge push toward genetic testing right now in the inherited disease um, population. I mean, broadly in rare diseases overall, there's a big, big push toward genetic testing um, in large part because of the growing number of clinical trials that are either gene therapies, gene-based therapies, um, you know, in some way they target the underlying cause of disease, that underlying genetic cause of disease. And so we're seeing many, many more patients and families kind of stepping back into care, some of whom were sort of lost to care for a while. Because if you have, you know, if you have a disease like this, an inherited retinal disease, um, it's not life-threatening. But, and, and so you don't necessarily need lots and lots of ongoing medical care. Uh, and so some people will kind of be lost to, to clinical care for a period of time. And now we're seeing many of them come back because there's so much interest and excitement around clinical trials, clinical research, and genetic testing. And there's an was an interesting comment that Kristen made on her call with us the on the podcast that people in the blind community aren't all interested in being treated with a therapy that would restore their sight or prevent their blindness. I, I don't know exactly I think she meant restore yeah. their sight. Have you encountered that response in your work as a genetic counselor? I have. So in in this kind of condition in particular, and I think that there are a lot of corollaries to make whenever you think about the deaf community and, um, you know, all the controversy that first came up when cochlear implants um, became available. So what I've seen over the period of, of time that I've really worked in this community is that there's a, a big difference in adjustment between individuals who have total blindness, especially those who have been blind since childhood and those who gradually lose vision and are still in that period of time where they're losing vision. There's a very big difference in adjustment. Uh, I, I think I was kind of surprised to learn early in my career as a genetic counselor that those children who have profound vision loss are often the ones who psychosocially, emotionally um, do better long-term because that's their normal. And if that's your normal, your entire life, then that is, it's actually scary to think about changing your normal, about doing something so completely different, uh, especially when you're thriving. And, and so I thought that was very interesting. She talked about that, and that's true. And, you know, I also serve on the board of directors of the Usher Syndrome Coalition, and in that community for Usher Syndrome, so Usher Syndrome is the combination of having uh, an inherited retinal disease called RP in combination with some degree of hearing loss to, to, in some cases, total deafness. So this is a devastating disease. And yet there are some people in that community with pretty end-stage disease who this is what they've known their whole lives. And the current clinical trials aren't likely to greatly reverse 
back for them. And so I think she's so right that we have to recognize these different needs in the patient community, these disparate views, um, and validate and support those individual needs while continuing to pull the community together toward research. Yes, that's an important thing to uh, to know. I, I had not really thought about that before, but the yeah. um, diversity of people in patient communities is as great as the, any other aspect of diversity in, in people. And that includes their opinions and their feelings on whether they should be cured and so forth. That's really well, you know, it's good education for me. Do you see- You know, it's um, interesting. Sorry, go yes. ahead. I was going to ask you if you saw an impact on enrollment in clinical trials due to this um, identity and interest in being cured or not. I do. Um, I do see a difference in clinical trial enrollment, and, and I think it's interesting that there are some there are some patients and families who are so desperate for a cure, who are so so desperate for anything that they're really eager to enroll in a clinical trial. There are other people who've lived with the disease a very long time. They would love to see a cure, but they have so little vision remaining and it is so vital to their current state of how they live that they wouldn't want to risk it for anything. And so anything, anything experimental, they just don't feel like they can risk it, which is of course quite understandable. And then, at the far end, you have people who are very, very well adjusted and who've lost most or all of their vision. And it's interesting that that population of people, in my experience, falls into two camps when they think about clinical trial enrollment. Some of them just aren't interested because they're so well adjusted and this is who they are and this is their life. Other people in that camp feel like, you know what, I'm doing well and we need people to step forward and participate in research. And I'm a perfect person because even if this did some sort of damage, it doesn't matter. I've already lost most of my vision. I'm very well adjusted. I'm not that person who's desperately hoping for a cure where if this experimental therapy doesn't work, that's going to be devastating to me. Yes, yes. So that's very, very interesting. This, um, this ability to get diagnosed is advanced. The, the Treatments are expanding for many things, and then we have a, the human choice and a lifestyle choice that, unless you're in that situation, you may not even guess what the people are thinking. Have you been able to work with patient advocates and patient foundations, like Kristen Smedley mentioned in her podcast interview with us? Uh, like she mentioned the Curing Retinal Blindness Foundation mm -hmm. you, you just referred to. Have yeah, you worked, have. you or your company, Informed DNA, worked with them? Yes, we do. Um, in fact, we have an ongoing genetic testing program in collaboration with the Foundation Fighting Blindness, which um, Kristen and her foundation uh, work closely together with the Foundation Fighting Blindness. So the Foundation Fighting Blindness is a, is a large private uh, organization that is a, a nonprofit that is the largest funder of research for inherited retinal diseases outside of uh, the U.S. government in the world. And um, they have a registry, uh, a patient registry. And we started this program together a couple of years ago, about three years ago now, to provide free genetic testing and genetic counseling to patients in this community who 
enroll in the registry, in the patient registry. And they chose to do this because they realized in talking with um, many different pharmaceutical companies, research groups, principal investigators of clinical trials, that the number one barrier to clinical trial enrollment was just identifying a sufficient number of patients because so few of these patients had undergone genetic testing. So we collaborate with them to provide telemedicine-based services, meaning we do all of our genetic counseling appointments over the phone, which greatly expands access so that they're not dependent upon patients walking in the door of a major medical center where they have a clinical research program for inherited retinal diseases. Patients, no matter where they live, can get tested within their community, get these services over the phone, and then the patients who may actually qualify for one of the current clinical trials can get all of that information to make a decision about whether or not they want to travel. Well, that's so important. And Kristen Smedley, in her interview with us, talks a lot about the devastating impact of, of diagnosis when they first find out about blindness, um, which would only be um, worse if you didn't have information and nobody was there to tell you what to do or what you have or why you're blind, um, why your child is going blind or whatever the situation is, but that how information, as you pointed out, empowers and it gives you um, a path to go on. So your your work is just amazing. And I'm hoping that People who listen to this podcast also listen to Kristen Smedley's and can see what the the side is, uh, the parent's story is, her side of the story. Um, you, I think you professionals and the parents who work on this together really make a big difference for those who are coming in the future. Well, thank you. Um, I want to thank you for talking with us today, Carmen. Uh, we have to go now, but... Um, you have just given us a wonderful um, story and information, and I want to just repeat the name of your company. It's Informed DNA. It's a company of genetic counselors that provides genetic counseling and can also uh, arrange testing services for a wide range of diseases and diagnoses. And the URL, uh, am I right, that your URL is informeddna.com? Yep. That's right. Great. So this is WCG Patient Radio. We've been speaking today to Carmen Trupek, a certified genetic counselor who works for Informed DNA. Uh, Carmen is also a retinal blindness expert and has been speaking about another podcast on our series with uh, a mother of two blind boys whose name is Kristen Smedley. Thanks very much, Carmen. Have a nice day. Thanks. It was my pleasure.